The Outsider Report podcast feed is brought to you by our brand new website, OutsiderReport.com. You can check out all of our articles and podcasts and subscribe to Outsider Report's newsletter by going to OutsiderReport.com. Please sign up for the newsletter. We'll send you a weekly update with everything that we've put up since the last newsletter, so you won't miss a thing. Welcome to Outsider Report Podcast. I am Jonathan Gilly, Editor-in-Chief at Outsider Report, and I'm here, as always, with Luke Francis, Executive Producer at Outsider Report. Luke, what is up? How much, dude? How's it going, John? Uh, it's going well. I've recovered from yesterday. We're recording this on a Monday morning. Oof. The Chargers lost in epic Chargers fashion, uh, and the Lakers lost a second night of a back-to-back, so that one's not so bad, but... Yep, and uh, the Chargers have have such a miraculous way of finding a way to lose. Well, and this one was particularly tough, just because like the one thing that we've been able to hold on to through this whole brutal season is that at least you know that Rivers won't be the reason that we lose. <laughs> Everybody and got their game. Yeah, and so they just they just took that from us. It was like the last thing that we had, and like the 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 karmic NFL gods just went, oh, you you still have that. That little tiny spider web of hope, we're just going to snap that. And um, I mean, at least it was against a great team. Oh, of course. Of course, the greatest team, the vaunted Miami Dolphins. We're damn good at football. And they're superlative running back. <laughs> um, yeah, brutal day. Um, okay, so today we're going to be talking about uh, the Epic of Ron Artest slash Metal World yes. Peace, which you wrote for the site. Uh, but first, this is Moonlight. You can hear us on Outsider Reports podcast feed on SoundClouds, on SoundCloud, not SoundClouds. So many clouds. Uh, on iTunes, on the TuneIn app, and also on Stitcher. Um, so please uh, subscribe uh, to Outsider Report on whichever of those platforms you use for listening to podcasts like this one. We really love our subscribers. It's also great if you can throw us a comment or uh, rate the pod. That'd be awesome. Um, so if you haven't read uh, Luke's article yet, no worries. You don't need to um, to understand this pod, but you really should. Uh, it's pretty awesome. I think it's a uh, really creative piece of sports writing, and, and I don't think it's something that you'll find a lot of places. So with that, uh, this is going up on, on Tuesday. So by the time everyone hears this, yesterday you will have written... Uh, and posted the epic of Ron Artest slash Metal World Peace. Can you give us a quick sort of summary of, of this thing? Yeah, sure. So basically, um, I, uh, I go through in the article talking about how I was, I was hunting for, a, for the proper subject and the proper medium, and uh, I realized how weird my situation was. Uh, I was writing this on Halloween, and um, I was going to write about, speaking of the Chargers and Philip Rivers, I was going to write about Philip, uh, but I realized that it was just way too normal for what I was doing. So I was like, okay, who's like a much stranger sports icon that I can write a little bio piece on? And I'm like, oh my God, meta world piece. Also, can I, can I jump in really quick? Yeah. You, you were specifically going to write about how Rivers is the best quarter, best like bad team quarterback ever. I know. Which would have been really, really shitty if we posted that today, given what happened yeah, yesterday. I know. It would, it would have, it was suck because there would have had to be like a big fat editor's note. This article would have made sense a week ago. <laughs> Anyways, continue. Well, so I, I wanted I wanted to find a medium for for Ron's bio, uh, excuse me, Meta's bio, uh, to, um, to kind of capture what this guy is all about. And I I feel like I feel like epic heroes um, 
you know, don't come around very often, but I, I think that uh, Meta World Peace certainly would be one uh, that he has all of the classic fatal flaw, uh, honest, like love of warfare <laughs> and, 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 and fall from grace and then subsequent rise. And so I, I figured it'd be really fun to just kind of sum up Meta in a thing called Iambic Hexameter, which is, uh, basically it's just like a series of stress patterns that make something into an epic. It's, it's like really hard to do in English. Uh, and so I, you know, I did my best, um, but like, let me let me give you an example. Ron would hit back, never turn from a fight. He was looking for trouble. Here, it's like kind of stressed, weird, like that. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't count, so hopefully I did that right. But um, <laughs> so that that's kind of the gist. And so if you if you kind of think of it with that weird like lurching kind of rhythm going through the whole time. Uh, it, it gives you kind of like this mystic sensibility and I think it's pretty damn hilarious when it's around, uh, you know, Ron Ron uh, breaking Michael Jordan's ribs and all sorts of amazing stuff that he did throughout his career. Yeah, I, I definitely love reading this and um, I, I had to like go and look up exactly how the pace was supposed to be mm-hmm. read because I, I was re- I was looking at it and I was like, ah, I don't, I don't know if I got this right. Um so, okay, I want to learn a little bit more about epic poems. And I know we're a sports website, but that doesn't mean that we can't uh, educate uh, our, our listeners on, on some things. Shit, yeah. So, uh, I guess, for, first of all, like, I think, I think everyone may be familiar with, with an epic poem or two. But could you maybe just tell us a little bit about epic poems in general? Maybe, like, yeah. a couple that are particularly noteworthy and um, maybe, like... sure. Uh, like what warrants something being called an epic poem versus just a poem that's written in this particular meter? Cool. Um, yeah, so I, I think that the, the two main things that, that denote an epic are, are the meter and the subject matter. Okay. Um, but going back to, to, to your first point about uh, what, what like kind of historical examples are there of epic poems, um, most people know about like Epic of Gilgamesh. That's that's far earlier, but I, I like to focus on the ancient Greek epics as like a. It's a bit more of a robust um, version of what an epic is because if you're looking at like Gilgamesh, it's less plot driven. It's more like you know mystic parable. Uh, so setting that aside for a moment, looking instead at Homer, uh, that a lot of people agree is the. Uh, first example that we have of like Western literature or just plot-based literature in general in human history. And so you have um, the earlier work is Iliad, uh, which follows Achilles and Achilles is rage. Um, and so I, I reference mm-hmm. that in Ron Artest's poem. Um, it says rage single muses pray tell of Artest's fall from stardom so fully. And uh, that that's a that's basically a line that opens up the Iliad um, by Homer. And uh, what makes Iliad and Odyssey so like crazy cool is that they're these huge books uh, that go through this meter and then tell all the stories of the gods and and heroes and men and and how uh, fruitless and and foolish war is, but how we can't get out of it. And it's kind of like this uh, philosophical piece in a way. Um, that set the tone for um, all of ancient Greek civilization and uh, morals, values. And then Hesiod, another dude um, that was contemporary with Homer, 
probably around 750, 800 BC. Um, also wrote in this style, but his books were a lot shorter. Um, and in my opinion, a little bit more interesting. <laughs> awesome. I appreciate the context there. And I'm sure that's going to, I'm sure uh, we're going to see an uptick in, in sales on Amazon prime from all of our listeners going out and, and Gotta buying those books cut. online. Yeah. Make sure, make sure you get your points, hit up, hit up Amazon for that. Um, Shake down Homer. So one of the things that I was really struck by reading through, um, you know, reading through your, your piece here, um, a couple things. It's, it's, uh, really fascinating how how run our piece, run our test and meta world piece. Um, how he sort of wove himself through the fabric of the NBA over time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he. It, it's funny. Like I don't know if there are um, as as many players um, who are like as important to the narrative of the NBA over time, mm-hmm. but who are so often overlooked in the way he has been. Yeah. So I, I think another guy that kind of fits that mold, um, is, is Vince Carter. Um, mm-hmm. who's also like another old guy who's still hanging around and, and getting those checks. Um, but when you think about like all of the, the things that, I mean, obviously, you know, like I, I don't think there's a player with more folklore, with the exception of like the greatest players in the NBA. Oh yeah. Then, then Ron Artest met a real piece. So why, why do you think that is like, why do you think he has garnered such um, a, a wealth of story around him in a way that only the best players in the NBA really get? I think it's just sheer force of personality. I, I don't think that there are just many humans like Ron Artest, Meta World Peace in this world. Yeah. And so when you give him the biggest stage, uh, I think that I think that all of the internal demons and and beauty is amplified uh, within Meta. So um, I, I think that you can go through his career and there there's very specific like beats that he collided with just the NBA, even back from AAU with Odom and Elton Brand. Yeah, on on through to forcing his way basically into March Madness through sheer force of will, <laughs> uh, and and then then I mean like something as bizarre as him breaking Jordan's ribs in a pickup game before <laughs> he comes back to the NBA, like somehow our test and then I mean crazy stuff like he'll 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 get diagnosed with a uh, heart valve condition he'll go in and he'll get surgery come back the next day and start footing up shots in a game he's just a different different kind of person and so uh being able to see him in like a like a public very very you know bright light situation I I think he was destined to be a storyline guy yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, I think obviously the, the, the couple of stories that I think everyone is most familiar with, um, are obviously the malice in the palace, uh, <laughs> was hit the fight where he got the full season suspension. Um, and then I think the other, uh, more recent sort of piece of his folklore that, that I think most general NBA fans have heard about was, um, when it came out that he was actually drinking Hennessy, yeah, uh, in the locker room at halftime. Oh, at, so fun. I think when he was playing for the Pacers, right? That was when that was happening. Um, yeah, and that was like it, it wasn't like a thing that he kept doing for a while. That was like a thing he did at one point. Um, 
Uh, and I think, so I think people are familiar with that. I think people are less familiar with um, uh-huh. sort of the twilight of his Houston days and then the the Lakers era. So, I mean, obviously, yeah. I mean, I remember the, the first time I knew about him in the fight, but the first time I really, really watched him play was when the, when the Rockets played the Lakers in the, uh, in the, what a performance that was in the playoffs. Yeah. I think that was oh, 2009. Um, and I remember, yeah. Yeah. And I remember like those teams, I remember hearing and seeing that that Houston team had Shane Battier and Ron Artest and that those two were lockdown defenders who could hit threes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and I remember being like, as a fan intimidated of this guy who was so physical and a great defender and could shoot. And uh, when the Lakers, I don't remember if they traded, but when they ended up swapping Ariza for for Ron Artest, essentially. um, I mean, I loved Ariza, so I was disappointed, but I was also kind of excited because this guy was a great defender and could shoot and he was strong, but he was also, Mm -hmm. you know, obviously um, a little unpredictable. So what, what influence do you think Phil Jackson actually had on him? Dude, I, 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 I can't understate it because I, I remember, and, and you'll remember from that, uh, that 2009 series uh, when, they, when they pushed it to seven games, Artest got ejected uh, from at least one of those games uh, when yeah. he got tangled up with Kobe. Um, and uh, so credit to Kobe Bryant for being able to play the mental side of the sport as well. Uh, but Ron came to the Lakers and in the matter of a few years, he just seemed like a completely different person and uh, he still seems that way. Um, so I, 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 maybe it's, maybe it's the LA sunshine. Maybe it's uh, his, his therapist that he, he, he worked with and, and uh, clearly therapy really helps because um, he's, he's doing great now. And I, I couldn't discount having a coach like Phil. I mean, that's like the perfect guy for him. Somebody that's able to like, you know, meditate with Ron and, and be able to get him into a place where he feels happy playing basketball rather than, you know, it was actually with the Bulls when he was drinking Hennessy at halftime. Oh, the Bulls, that's right. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't know if you can discount it. I, obviously, you, we, we don't know him, so it's like we can't, we can't say that that was totally the reason. I kind of joked about it in the, in the poem, but I, I'd be surprised if, if Phil didn't have some sort of influence in, in the guy's turnaround in his life. Yeah, I mean, I think the obvious marker there is he changed his name to Meta World Peace after yep. a season uh, with the Lakers. That was also the same season when he dyed his hair like white and yellow and purple with... Um, defense written in like various yes. uh like chinese dialects shaved into his yeah, head shaved into the head <laughs> um so, so one of the things that i've always found really interesting um about sports but also music and it's one of the reasons that i really enjoy and, and like kobe it's one of the reasons that i i really enjoy kanye west um is i i really love seeing sort of the the, the development and change of people over time. Um, and, you know, pop culture and the 24 hour news cycle, maybe unfortunately for those people, but it gives us sort of a Truman show esque ability to like really see a huge chunk of their lives, um, yeah. pr- pretty unfiltered. Um, and I think Ron is, is one of those is, is a really interesting person. And I, and I think, um, I want to talk a little bit about something you brought up, which was, um, his, his therapist and sort of like his openness about his issues with mental health. Mm-hmm. 
because I don't think that we see this from our, our pop culture stars or icons very much, specifically our sports icons, right? Because so much of sports is like, hold it in, you know, be tough, like mean mug, you know, scowl after you do something like, don't, you know, don't break down. So, um, I guess, you know, I guess one of my questions is how unlikely is it that it's this guy who ends up being the guy on billboards in LA about mental health? Oh, I mean, completely unlikely. Like just go onto the article and, and, and watch the malice in the palace. Like after after that game, do you think anybody in the league was like that guy's going to be one of the faces of the league, or that guy's going to go to his team and be able to to really really contribute it as a locker room guy? <laughs> like and and I I can't discount what he's done for mental mental health and and what kind of an example that he's has been able to set for other athletes as well is is that it's it is possible to go through almost anything in sports and be able to come out the other end by playing well and and getting your life right and um i mean he he grew up in a in a, a tough situation um his his dad was a golden gloves boxer and uh ron always settled stuff with his fists and um i'm i'm really happy and amazed and and kind of in awe of the dude for being able to to turn it into, you know, he's, he's an advocate. Yeah, absolutely. And I think what you said there is important. And I think a lot of us, um, you know, uh, even if we love our dads and have great relationships with our dads, I think a lot of times men have issues of sort of like repeating the mistakes of their fathers. Um, and mm-hmm. you know, we get a lot of great things from our dads too. not trying to, not trying to throw dads under the bus, but, um, I think it's all the more, <laughs> Uh, important in this situation to recognize that not only is he like, you know, blossomed into this, you know, sort of balanced open with his mental health um, person, but that he also sort of did it in spite of, like you said, this father who, who, you know, probably taught him to settle things with his fists like he did in the ring. Um, And there's a little bit of conjecture there, but um, I just think it makes it all the more unlikely and all the more significant kind of as a result of that. Um, yeah. So, uh, I think it just were, it, it, it's worthy of asking, um, who won the 2010 championship for the Los Angeles Lakers? That was certainly, okay. Actually I I have, this is bizarre, but I I have two people. Um, it's, it's Ron Artest and Sasha Vujicic. Okay. (laughs) All right. Uh, well, maybe you can take 10 seconds to explain the Vujicic maybe you can write an epic poem about Sasha, but, uh, Oh God. Yeah. But, uh, the, about the machine. But can you, can you describe for everyone the, uh, the way that Ron Artest won the championship for us? Kobe passed me the ball. <laughs> <laughs> I could just hear the Zen master in my mind. Like, no, Ron, don't shoot. Don't shoot. I, was, I shot it anyway. Oh yeah. All of us, every okay. single person was sitting there like, no, 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 Ron, no, 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 Ron, don't. Yeah. And then he did it. Yeah, he did it. He did it. And God, thank God he did. So Kobe was having a really off shooting night. I think he got a ton of rebounds that game. Like he was he was super active in the game. It's just really off shooting night. Understandable. Kobe was carrying us that entire series. Well, we and get the, to game seven. And this, and yeah, and the Celtics were also, their strategy was to bait Kobe into shooting as much as he possibly could. Yeah, right. And so um, I think that the, the, the Sasha Vujicic bit, 
um, he he ended up icing the game, hit two really clutch free throws, um, and uh, I feel like that's that's one of those situations where if you're like looking at the box score, or you watch some highlights of the game, you're like, okay, yeah, whatever he he contributed, but it, when you're when you were watching it in real time, uh, those those two free throws were like as key to being able to keep that game under control as possible because we were actually trailing the majority of that game. Yep. Um, and uh, Sasha Vujicic was on uh, Sports Science. I think it was like the following year. And um, they had him shooting free throws in like every most ridiculous situation. They put on like giant man hands like, <laughs> to like see if like if he had shack size hands, if he could still hit free throws, he could still hit free throws. They changed the height that he was to the the, the court. I mean, the, the basket. They like put him on stilts. He was able to hit him. Like put him on the ground. He's still able to hit him. Oh my gosh. So he is the machine. So, uh, I don't know if you followed this and, uh, obviously don't want to get political here, but Meta was tweeting the night of the election. Um, oh man, no, I didn't know. Yeah. And he was basically, he had a hashtag that I'm trying to find, but it was basically like if Meta was president uh-huh. and he tweeted out some gold, like just absolute gold. Um, and so here, here's, here's one example. Uh, I think I could be president. Demublican liberal, truly for all uh, people. My number one cause: save our bees. Hashtag new party. Oh man. <laughs> um, here's his priority list. Here's his priority list for if you were okay. president. Number one: morals and values class in schools. Num- huh. Number two: good parenting class. Yes. Number three: how to be a good partner. <laughs> Number four, treat your earth right class. What a weird college. Number five, learn to argue without violence class. Oh my God. <laughs> this is great. Number six, make our fruit sweet again class. <laughs> Number seven, Sunday. I would have my secretary of defense be Ben Wallace. <laughs> <laughs> uh, number seven. Sunday is sun day, enjoying the sunlight. Uh, Number eight, how to say I love you. So apparently a meta world peace presidency is just everyone going to like, like moral reassignment classes. Uh, Hashtag if meta was president, I would put a limit on the size of fake booty. Some are way too big. Oh, but I would allow for relationship swaps, but not divorce. Meta, you're kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This was definitely, um, like I was scrolling Twitter that night and stumbled upon this and got got lost deep in a, <laughs> in a Twitter dive. Oh, um, wow. So, yeah, so clearly he's, uh, oh, so a, a couple of things just really quick about, about Meta. Um, yeah. I don't know if you know yeah. this, but yesterday was actually mm-hmm. his birthday. <laughs> Yes, yes. Uh, so this I is a very, a very well-timed piece. Um, also, the other thing we didn't mention is he almost changed his name again. Um, oh. When he went to China to play in China, um, he <laughs> intended to change his name to The Panda's Friend. Oh, right, right, Which right. is now his Twitter avatar, and he's got a website. Yeah. I think, he, yeah, thepandasfriend.com, where he sells, like, panda merchandise. Mm-hmm. Um, as well as, I think, his children's book. That's so awesome. Um, okay, so the the last kind of thing I want to cover here about sure. about MWP is 
the fact that he is actually back in the league and uh-huh. was not, I mean, I think last season we looked at it and thought, well, yeah, it's weird that he's on this team, but Byron, mm-hmm. but Byron Scott. And that was yeah. sort of like the, the, like, well, you know, we've got this crazy old man coach um, and he's, you know, bringing on a crazy old man player. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, I think, most of Laker fandom was pretty genuinely shocked and surprised um, when the roster came out and we heard that the team released Anthony Brown in lieu of, of meta. So like, what do you, yeah. what do you think? And, you know, obviously Lucas said some things about it, but um, what do you think the real reason is like, why do you think he's on this team? What do you think he provides? What do you think was the benefit in going with him over um, a guy like Anthony Brown? Well, consider, consider this roster as a whole. Um, if you think about it, Nick Young is the Lakers' fourth oldest player. <laughs> you got you got Metta World Peace, thirty seven, Jose Calderon, thirty five, Marcelo Huertas, thirty three, and then Nick Young was thirty one, I think. Yeah. Um, so I mean, I, I think that that's that's the biggest reason why why we did that was that looking at the roster, it's like, oh my god. And like out of those people, Marcelo Huertas is is a second year in the league. And I mean Nick Nick Young. I, I mean I can't criticize Nick Young. What what a year he's had. It's this is his best basketball I I think in his career um, so far that we've seen. Um, yeah, I heard the announcer last night say something. Oh man, there's a car alarm going off that I'm sure they, is going to get picked just, up by this mic. They, 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 they just couldn't handle the, the who's that, whoever's outside would just like blew up because of swaggy. That's teeth. okay. Um, so the the announcer last night, we're going to power through. The announcer last night um, in the fourth quarter, Nick Young, they, Luke brought in Nick Young, and the announcer uh-huh. said, "And Luke Luke Young opting for some defense, bringing in Nick Young to bring some defensive presence to this team." Wow, oh I never God. thought I'd say that about Nick Young. Uh, like the guy literally had like a like a Incredible. an out of body moment where he recognized how absurd what he just said was. But he's right. He's right right now. He is. He's absolutely right. And, and I mean his his shooting percentages are insanely improved. Uh, I, I was just looking at a stat. Um, sorry to diverge onto a swaggy. No, it's okay. Um, but the uh, his his numbers uh, last season. I think that uh, it's it's more interesting when you break it down from distance from the basket. You got fifteen to nineteen feet. Uh, he went from shooting thirty three point three percent last season mm-hmm. to seventy two point seven percent this season Whoa. so far. Uh, from twenty to twenty four feet last season, he was seven point nine percent. Whoa! This season forty two. Wow! And then from uh, like uh, three point. <clears throat> land uh last season 9.5 percent this season 38.7 wow it, i mean it's i think this is just like a testament to the value of um like positive reinforcement <laughs> and off-ball screens oh my well, god yeah, yeah this this team just like suddenly learned how to move without the ball it's been amazing huge credit to the entire coaching staff but like last season they would just plant themselves yeah then they get the ball late in the shot clock and then try to do an iso move um it was a kobe led team so that's understandable. <laughs> right right but but like now they're, they're they're cutting they're setting screens they're setting you know beautiful little moving screens i i really like it uh what i've been seeing especially from guys like uh like randall he's he's doing these little like like pass you the ball and then just kind of you know walk with my big body a few steps forward yeah 
and uh, it's kind of like the Bogut thing. And uh, man, has it been getting guys open? Uh, and you can tell this bench is awesome. And uh, Metal World Peace has actually gotten some productive minutes. And I, I actually, I really liked in the first game when I got to see him uh, match up with uh, Harden again. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's like one of my favorite matchups <laughs> of all time. <laughs> the people's il- elbow returns. People's elbow against the people's beard. <laughs> Um, yeah, just to, just to linger on the current Lakers for a second, have you noticed that at least on this last little road trip, um, pretty deep into the fourth quarter, uh, Luke's been running with a lineup where they have, Mm -hmm. they don't have a point guard and they have Ingram bring the ball down the court and initiate the offense. And it's, it's usually like Mm -hmm. Clarkson and Randall, um, and Swaggy. And then the, the, the fifth players, it rotates. It's been Larry it's also been Mozgov. It's it's also been Luol Deng, but mm-hmm. I mean that's like that's pretty crazy that that Ingram, who isn't like lighting up the box score, but he's out there like initiating the offense, handling the ball. Yeah, I'm like I'm I'm very impressed. I'm also like very pleased with Luke for giving him the chance to do this. Absolutely, yeah, and it's it's really cool that he's able to he's earned the trust and he's he's able to get the respect and trust to be able to do that. And I, I think that I think that that Pelicans game that we just played um, is one of the most illuminating and exciting of the season because in, in that game we had thirty six assists. Yeah, like we we haven't had thirty six assists since twenty thirteen, like crazy. Yeah, or twenty thirteen twenty fourteen might might have been the latter half of that season. But I mean, the pace is just a totally different story. I mean, we what was it last season? We were dead last in scoring. And we had the second worst offensive rating. Yep. I mean, it, absolutely, absolutely crazy. Every single statistic that I read, I, I cannot believe. Well, we didn't win a road um, game until like mid-December. <laughs> so crazy. And we just won two. <laughs> it's so crazy. And I mean, and now, now it's not even ridiculous to think about the playoffs. Yeah, I, I can't believe I'm saying that. I, but. Yeah, I mean, I, I still. Like I'm still going to temper my expectations and no, oh, yeah, and, and not expect it. But I mean, if the team maintains its current pace, it's it's not out of the question. I know <clears throat> if the team maintains its current pace. We're a 45, 50 win team, which is insane. Like, which is insane. That's that's twice as many as any of us expected. Oh, absolutely. E- even the most the biggest homers of fans, uh, like AKA us, we're like thirty five. <laughs> Yeah, right, and and I mean they'll go on a sl- they'll have a slump like uh, they're they're shooting a lot they'll have a slump but at the same time I do think that this team is going to get better as the season goes on. Yeah, I agree, and also we can't rule out the possibility of of a trade, which we've talked a lot about. Yeah. But yeah, especially with how well Nick is playing right now. Oh yeah, totally. I mean his stock is is about as high as it's ever going to be in his career. I think. Yeah, certainly. And I, I've loved to watch uh, watch Randall um, emerge. He and speaking of, of somebody that's getting kind of that that point guard uh, kind of look, Ran- Randall's bringing the ball up a lot. Yeah. Randall's initiating the offense a lot, and he's he's been. I mean, like yeah, he's he's had some turnovers, uh, and he's still getting used to being a playmaker. But I think he's got a really good feel for it. I, I think he's going to surprise a lot of people and can, can continue to surprise a lot of people. Yeah, he had a, he had this play last night where he took it end to end, and he he's dribbling down the court. He he. He like crosses the three point line and he's got Carl mm-hmm. Anthony Towns on him, and Towns like reaches forward to try to um, like steal the ball. Julius bounces it 
all with all with his right hand, which is why I was more impressed than anything. This is all with his right hand, and he's a lefty. He dribbles the ball behind his back, doesn't switch hands behind his back to avoid that. Then Ricky Rubio reaches behind his back to try to swat the ball, and he brings the ball back around with his right hand, just as Carl Anthony Towns is reaching away, like his, his hand is you know recoiling, and mm-hmm. then like puts the ball on the ground and then kind of pushes off Towns and then hits a floater over him. Um, and it was not elegant. It was, it was clunky. Um, but I mean, it, it looked like one of those, like, you know, Nash Curry CP three kind of highlight plays where like the guy starts to bring it back and then brings it back forward. And, um, and you know, he did it against Towns. who's a great defender and he did it against Rubio. Who's, who's shifty. Um, and, and I was really impressed. I, I saw that and went, whoa, like that didn't look pretty because it was with his right hand and you know, his footwork wasn't great and he was a little clunky, but, and then he combined it with his strength to push towns away and like get the floater off. And I was, I was impressed. Absolutely. And I, I think that, I think that looking forward, you know, deep into the future, I think that you, you can see that Julius Randle is going to be one of those guys that when you hit the playoffs, when the game slows down a little bit, when you're having to fight for every possession and, and, and it a lot of times doesn't look pretty. Um, I think he's going to be one of those like really standout players. Yeah. Um, so, something else to to bring up is that uh, Julius is is playing the most minutes for for LA right now, and it's only twenty eight minutes a game. Yeah, yeah. No player is averaging over thirty. It's insane. It's fantastic. Okay. And, and something else that's pretty crazy is uh, remember the Mike D'Antoni years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for the Lakers, um, so. Back then, everybody was hyping about how how you know we were really picking up the pace and having to play super fast. And uh, D'Antoni's second season uh, got us at one hundred one point six two possessions per forty eight. Okay. Currently, um, Luke Walton's Lakers, my Lakers, are playing at a hundred and two point oh nine possessions per forty eight. Wow! And and playing defense. So there you go. How you like how you like that, Dan Tony? Yes, exactly. I mean, and like consider that up against Byron Scott, which is about ninety-eight possessions per forty-eight, with the same team basically. So, yeah. So, uh, my last my last question. This is a silly one, but what is what do you think is the current Lakers' strongest lineup of players? Oh man, that's weird. I, honestly, I, I I can't. I can't even pretend it's the starters. Oh, it's not. It, yeah. Yeah. No, so sorry. I mean physically strongest. Oh, physically strongest. I mean physically strongest. Well, sorry, Ingram. Um, <laughs> so I go, uh, let's see. This is going to be a bizarre lineup. Yeah. I don't know if they could play anybody, but it'd be like Tark Black, yep. uh, Robinson, Thomas Robinson, yep. um, Metal World Peace. Mm-hmm. Julius Randle. Yep. And then, God, who's going to be fifth? Hmm. I mean, I was thinking, like, you could we could go traditional and we could go Mozgov just because he's big. Yeah. But I think yeah, you could also big. you could also put Larry Nance in there, or you could maybe put even Jordan Clarkson. He's he's small, but he's strong. Um, yeah. But those okay, but those four dudes, right? Not that you would oh. ever play them in a game together ever. But mm-hmm. T. Rob, Meta. Julius and Tarek. Have there ever been four players like that strong that are all kind of built that same way 
on a team before. <laughs> I think if if we were ever like if we were in a playoff game and we were yeah. we were losing badly, like let's say we were playing the Warriors in the playoffs and we're losing uh-huh. badly, it's like game three, we're gonna lose, but we're trying mm-hmm. to decide like how can we win this series. I honestly think that there is a scenario where putting those four dudes out on the court and telling them to, to just foul out, uh-huh. to just like kind just of hob- just, just kind of hobble the team for the rest of the series. <laughs> um, I think that that should be in the playbook somewhere. I think that that awesome. uh, I think that that should be I an option. <laughs> All right, I just found out uh, Timothy Mozgov's bench press is two sixty eight. Okay. I don't have anything to reference that to, but that's certainly much more than I can bench press. Yes, that is, that is <laughs> it's quite a bit more than I can as well. All right, man. Well, I think um, <laughs> I think with that, that that'll do it for us. But this was a lot of fun, as always. Such um, a blast. So that'll do it for today's episode of Moonlight. Um, thanks for chatting about your article with me. Again, if you haven't if you haven't read Luke's epic poem, please be sure to check it out. It's up. Uh, on, on Monday today that we're recording, but that'll be yesterday when you hear this. Um, so Luke, thanks as always. Uh, appreciate the time, and uh, hopefully we get to uh, talk about more more fun Lakers stuff as we go forward. I really do think you should you should maybe make this epic poem a thing, and you should like maybe write the epic of Sasha or maybe the epic of Swaggy P. Know. I think that'd be a cool thing. I'm game. <laughs> I enjoy. It. I have fun. Yeah. I, I, that sounds good. Man. I had fun reading it. Oh, great. It's what the people want. There you go. We're going to give the people what they want. Sorry, Jalen. We're stealing your slogan. <laughs> All right. So please check out OutsiderReport.com to stay up on our latest articles and podcasts. You can also subscribe to our newsletter so you'll never miss a thing by going to OutsiderReport.com. Also, on Thursday, Wilson Platt is writing about... Uh, the Chicago Cubs and their celebration and the gathering of 5 million people that occurred in Chicago. And then he and Jackie Yeski will be talking about that on The Glory on Friday. So be sure to read and listen to those. As always, thank you for listening to Moonlight on Outside Reports podcast feed. And please be sure to subscribe to that feed on whatever platform you listen to podcasts. Luke, have a great day. Suck it, D'Antoni. <laughs> Take it easy, Doug. Bye.